0: for 50% off, visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com L-E-V-A-R. LeVar Burton Reads is supported by Audible. Audiobooks are great for helping you be a better you. Whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated or even learn something new. And with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more, Audible has all the audio content you need to start your year on the right foot. So, here's a place to start off. You cannot possibly go wrong with any of Neil Gaiman's work. So, why not try his book, Norse Mythology, narrated by the man himself. Whether it's on your phone, through your car, from a tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo, you can get through tons of books while doing almost anything. and. Audible even lets you switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off. Start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash LeVar or text LeVar to 500-500. That's audible.com slash LeVar or text LeVar, L-E-V-A-R, to 500-500 for a 30-day trial and a free first audiobook. You can do it with audiobooks. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction and read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will too. Today, I'm going to share a story with you by Stephanie Powell Watts entitled Unassigned Territory. It's from Stephanie's newly reissued debut short story collection called We Are Taking Only What We Need from Echo. Stephanie is a Pushcart Prize winner, and this particular story was chosen as one of the best new stories of the South in 2007. Her debut novel, No One Is Coming to Save Us, was named a best book of 2017 by the Washington Post, and the New York Times called her book a skillful riff on the Great Gatsby which revolves around a contemporary black family in a declining North Carolina town. Stephanie is an associate professor of literature at Lehigh University. She grew up in rural North Carolina, and that's where today's story is set, on the back roads in the country in maybe the early 1990s. We are allowed into the interior life of a young woman who is just at the cusp of adulthood, Some things to look out for. This is a character who is grappling with isolation, with the feeling of wanting to belong. And I want you to think about the institutions while listening to this story that provide that feeling of belonging, that sense of purpose, okay? So, if you're ready, let's take a deep breath. Unassigned territory, by Stephanie Powell Watts. <laughs> Leslie Palowski parks her Blue Horizon on the shoulder of the dirt road. The best shade we can find. July is a killer in North Carolina. It's always hot as blazes. Hot enough for you, hot enough to fry eggs, and on and on. We are in the thick of it. Mid-morning, our dresses clinging to our backs way far in the middle of nowhere, preaching door to door, working in our congregation's unassigned territory. This is the kind of dirt road Hee-haw, overalls, straw-in-the-teeth place even we Southerners make fun of. Pikes and wagoners country. Did you hear the one about the pike girl who went to a town doctor? The doctor said to her mother, Ma'am, has this girl had intercourse? And the mother, hands ringing, says, I don't rightly know, doctor, but if she needs it, you make sure you give it to her. The passenger's side window sticks in the middle of going up or down, Piece of junk car. And on the way to every door, we shed bits of poly foam from the car's cracked upholstery. Leslie has a great attitude about her poverty. Halcyon salad days, she will remember with a withering chuckle when her future kids complain of their own first cars. We've visited too many houses without updating our field service records, and we stop before we forget the details. We need to keep records. Records for ourselves, for the congregation file on the territory, and for the official log we store at the Kingdom Hall. What was that woman's name at the blue trailer, Steph? I shuffle through my notebooks, knowing I won't find any useful information. You were supposed to write things like Ruth Boaz, 123 Main Street, Blue Trailer, Lived in town all her life, no husband in the house, four kids, one still at home, took the 1989 Awake, making the most of your youth, expressed an interest in tarot. Bring magazine Why Godly People Shun Spiritism. My records are, to say the least, incomplete. I wrote, Trailer is a nightmare. Looks like the time my brother and I played drug czar with an old suitcase and Monopoly money. Ryan threw my clothes and shoes out of the dresser and closet screaming, Where's the real stash? Where's the real stash? I'm praying that Leslie won't ask to see what I've written. I've been at this long enough that I don't need any guidance from my field service partner. Sometimes Leslie will say things like, You're writing a book over there, aren't you? But she never pries. Shoot, I hate to leave her name off. She was nice, too. Leslie sighs. Nice to Leslie means that she didn't cuss us, that she didn't shoo us away or hide behind her curtains, her hand over the mouth of her child like a kidnapper. But Mama, the kid would manage through her fingers, there's some girls on the porch. Shh, I imagine her saying, do you want to get saved? Is that what you want? This lady had stood on her rickety porch, sullen and quiet, her eyes never leaving my brown face. Leslie, even with her Minnesota accent, was apparently okay. Brown woman on the porch trumps Yankee invader any day. To be fair, they don't get too many black Jehovah's Witnesses out here. There are only two black Jehovah's Witness families in town for a total of six people, Besides, although our congregation got to every door in the city limit at least three times a year, the unassigned territory, this deliverance of woods, creeks, and black snakes, gets worked only once a year if we're lucky. More likely, these people won't see any of us for 18 to 24 months. Imagine the odds of seeing a black Jehovah's Witness in the territory. That's lotto odds. Besides seeing no black people, there are four important things to remember about the unassigned territory. One, you are as remote as you can get in this new world, way out in the boonies, mostly white Southerners who've been holed up here for generations, living on winding dirt roads that lead to more winding dirt roads, with houses, the occasional mansion, trailers, and shacks out of sight from each other. They like it that way. Two. Everybody and his dog has a dog. At least one loose, ugly mutt with cockleburs in his unloved fur and filled with a kind of hatred that only comes from at last finding a body more miserable than yourself. Three. Apparently, the trauma of a visit from Jehovah's Witnesses is so great that just the glimpse of your watchtower will act as a Proustian mnemonic, causing the householder to wax nostalgic about your last visit. Never mind that someone from your or any congregation left a tract in the door over two years ago, you will hear over and over, some of y'all was just here. Four. There is nothing good about the unassigned territory. Leslie explained the offer for the month, trying to regain the householder's attention. This is our new book, Enjoy Life Forever on a Paradise Earth. Leslie dangled the bright red cover at the woman. Even the color pictures of laughing children and fluffy sheep nuzzling up to male lions didn't move the woman's eyes. She only had eyes for me. "'Does the missus want I should jig? A little tap dance for your pleasure,' I wanted to ask, but instead put on my best, "'Yes, I'm black, but doggone it, not that black,' face." ''You got that same Bible?'' the woman said to me. ''Yes, ma'am.'' I held out my cardboard-covered New World Translation for her to see. When I got baptized, I'd get a leather one. ''That's plenty,'' she said, folding her arms across her chest. ''I know the Bible when I see it.'' Leslie gave the woman an older Watchtower magazine that she wouldn't have to request a donation for. ''Good move, Leslie.'' She can get the literature into the house and not risk rejection. Who knows? This woman might even read it. She might change her life around and be side by side with us in this very territory next year. You never know. That's why Leslie is a pro. She thinks about these kinds of things. I've seen her talk to grief-stricken and depressed people, whip out the Bible she seems to know by heart, and without a blink show them that God is a fortress, a rock, a high place, a God of comfort, love, and forgiveness. And for a few seconds, I think she really lightens those people. It is no small thing to give a person even a moment of hope. Of course... When we go back the next week to follow up, those very same people slam their doors, order us away, looking like they could kill us. Don't you tell me God loves me. Don't you dare. <laughs> Leslie is grooming me, though she doesn't think that I know. I have a big decision to make next year to serve Jehovah during my youth, which is, by the way, the surprising twist ending to our magazine, Making the Most of Your Youth, or to go to college. I know that my congregation elders have told Leslie to help me do the right thing. On the way past the car, past the tired old dog, through the patchy yard, I can't be sure, but I think I heard the woman say, wetback? I don't know. It could have been the bigoted cicadas or heatstroke, but I think she called me a wetback. I wanted to put my finger in her crumpled face, her skin like the film from Crazy Glue, and say something wise and cutting like, get your racial epithets right, Miss Einstein. But fighting in the field service is looked down on. Truth be told, At 97 degrees and counting, unnamed householder has the virtue of being accurate. Not nice, but accurate. Besides, the sentiment for the Mexicans who were coming into the county taking all the glory jobs, like picking apples for 14 hours a day for less than minimum wage, and apparently preaching door-to-door in glamour locales like Miller's Creek, was enough to make anybody sick with envy. I wanted to tell Leslie what I thought I'd heard, but... She was the sort of white person who refused to acknowledge racism. Just deny it, and it won't exist. She'd say, well, I'm sure she didn't mean anything. Maybe she was concerned about the heat. What about the man on the tractor? Where did he say he lived? Leslie asks. I knew we should have stopped right then. Oh, yeah, I say, stalling shuffling through the pages. My record. Dear Martin Luther King, Sir, is this the dream you meant? Me and this sweet girl from Minnesota in a steaming car? I met a black man weeks ago who was courting a pretty woman he thought would be his wife, but that Memphis day in early April, slow dragging in a school cafeteria at a dance, The music dropped like the piano player's final clink when the black hats showed up and a man ran in screaming that you were gone. My new friend looked in the pretty woman's face at the despair he wore himself and knew he could never see her again. I am hot today, but trying to remember you at 1400 High Rock Road. 1400 High Rock Road, I say. Okay, you are good for something, Leslie grins, acting like a mother. She is only six years older than I am, but preaching is her career. Her family moved to North Carolina only three years ago to serve where the need was greater, but Leslie is easily one of the most popular people there. She's a good girl with a sweet disposition, and she has committed herself to the fieldwork. Leslie is a pioneer, out in service at least 60 hours a month, every month. Sixty hours of door slammings, I have my own religions, I was just on my way outs, and lonely old women who will even talk about Jehovah to hear another voice in the room. Okay. Okay. Leslie says. Handing me a Shasta soda from her cooler, she always gets the cheap drinks. Let's do two more houses. One, if it's too far, okay? Thank God. Thank God. Thank you, thank you, Dr. King. Thank you, thank you. Are you sure? I'm up for another hour or so, I say, willing the bouncing hope in my chest to stay still for a few minutes. She might change her mind. I mean... If you need the time, I'm up for it, I managed to say with almost a smile in my voice. I'll just have to make it up next week, Leslie says breezily, but I know that this month will be especially hard for her. She has all those hours to complete in these backwoods. Think about it. You can't just preach any old time. You have to come knocking at decent hours, after nine in the morning and before eight at night, and preferably not during the dinner hour. You can only count the time you actually preach. That means the 45-minute drive out there, gratis. The ride in between these houses in the territory, if it is more than 10 minutes, you eat it. The 15-minute lunch break is on your time, sister friend. All that to say, Jehovah's Witnesses need a union. Leslie dribbles soda all over the bodice of her dress. No loss as far as I'm concerned. Leslie shops at Granny's Rejects or Let's Repel Men or some store like it. I couldn't believe the kinds of things this young woman puts on her body. Shifts. Really. Baggy sweaters, long, full skirts, big prints that make Moo Moo's blush like demure schoolgirls. These things, the wardrobe for Leslie's plump, pink frame, a style my daddy dubbed toe-up from the flow-up. Leslie has mostly given up on men. I knew that the secret wish of her heart was that Bruce Springsteen come into the truth, but she was only hoping in her heart, not in her head. Lately, I've noticed her saying strange things like, when I was young, or if I were your age, Or that's for the kids. She is 24. Though, truth be told, she is getting a bit long in the tooth for a Jehovah's Witness bride. The faithful marry young rather than burn with desire. See the Pauline letters. And marry fast to get the pick of the litter of endangered young male believers. The congregation has already picked out my husband for me. A nice-looking white boy with a flounce of blonde hair, unswiveling hips, and clunky Clodbuster shoes. Bobby Ratliff. I like Bobby. Don't misunderstand me. But only 12-year-old virgins look at a dopey 16-year-old and think what great marriage material. Lord knows that by rejecting Bobby, I was dooming myself to Lesliedom. There was precious little else to choose from, few kids my age to even compare and contrast. Jim, another teenager in the congregation, is a possibility, but he and his sister Laura are bad. Really bad. Once, they brought a dirty magazine on the school bus, passed it around like a cold to the other kids. I noticed when it came to Bobby's seat, he wouldn't even look at the filthy cover, wouldn't even touch it. The worst, the absolute limit, was when Jim and Lisa brought a Prince song for us to listen to. When Prince said, controversy, and he said it often, Jim and Lisa led the bus in a rollicking mispronunciation at the tops of their heathen lungs, a variation I'm sure the pre-Jehovah's Witness Prince would have V8 smacked his yellow forehead if he'd heard. Why didn't I think of that on his lips? Bobby and I didn't tell on Jim and Lisa, though we were tempted. We did explain at every opportunity to the other kids that though Jim and Lisa attended the Kingdom Hall, they really weren't of our sort. We insisted that we are the real Jehovah's Witnesses. Sure, Jim and Lisa were clever and cool and fun, but salvation? I don't think so. Barber Reads is supported by Audible. Audiobooks are great for helping you be a better you, whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new. And with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more, Audible has all the audio content you need to start your year on the right foot. And if you liked chivalry by Neil Gaiman in the last season, and how he put his own spin on the Holy Grail, check out Neil's take on myths in Norse mythology. And it's narrated by Neil, so you can't go wrong there. Whether it's on your phone, through your car, from a tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo, you can get through tons of books while doing almost anything. And Audible even lets you switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off. You can start a 30-day trial and get your first audiobook for free. Just go to audible.com slash LeVar or text LeVar to 500-500. That's audible.com slash LeVar or text L-E-V-A-R to 500-500 for a 30-day trial and free first audiobook. You can do it with audiobooks. Now... Let's get back to our story. Lingering in a parked car in someone's driveway is a definite no-no, an unwritten rule. You can't look like you're casing the joint. But we are in a little bit of slow motion today. Staring ahead at the almost graveled road, the high weeds and bushes now covered with a thick layer of red dust... There has been no rain for days. We couldn't see the house that the record told us was straight ahead. Somehow, this seemed important to me. If I had the words, I would say to Leslie, isn't it funny that we can't see the next house? Doesn't that mean something? I wanted to tell her that, to take her deeper into my head. I wanted her to understand me. Leslie wouldn't get it. She would admonish me to pray for guidance and direction. And she'd be right. I know she'd be right. What was the alternative, really? The House record warns us of one place at the edge of the territory to avoid. Not interested. Gun. I can't help but think that the gun fact should come first. We would have to come back when we were sure that Jim Caudle, gun wielder, had moved... died. Today, we wouldn't even check. Your door, Leslie says. You can have the last door of the day. The house is sweet, small with a red tin roof. Someone must love the sound of the rain. Hippies, probably. The gravel driveway looks fairly new, and sure enough, there was no record of the house in our files. Wait for the dog. Some come on strong, yelping and moaning like they've been stranded on Jupiter with a host of unheralded moons. Others yap a quick, impotent sound that came when you least expected it, their only surprise attack. Nothing. Just the pleasant walkway of paver stones dotted along the path to the door without any discernible pattern. Terracotta pots full of red geraniums. I like this place. I like the porch and bent wood furniture, the chunky table in the center with a five-year-old, a toddler, on the potty. Another instance when pervs and parents have the same taste in art. But there was nothing pervy about this place, just solid and permanent. Hello, I say to the outline of the woman's face behind the screen door. Yes, she says. Her accent says above the Mason-Dixon. Good morning, I say. We are sharing a word from the Bible with our neighbors this morning. Your neighbors, the woman says, opening her screen door. Yes, ma'am, I smile. Stupid, stupid. Leslie would never have used a canned line like that. You've got a generous idea of neighbors, the woman grins. We've been going for a few hours now, I say, not sure of what I'm getting at. You must be hot then. Let me get you some drinks. The woman starts back into her house. When my mother was a teenager, she ironed clothes for Mrs. Rowe, an old white woman in town. When the black man who tended the yard needed a drink of water... Mrs. Rowe would grab the glass from under the sink, bring the water, or tea, out to him herself. When he was done, she'd rinse the glass out with Clorox water, store it back to its place. Something told me that this woman would not scurry to her kitchen for the colored glass. Something told me she was for real. Oh, no, ma'am, I began. We are ready to go home. You are actually our last stop today. Why did I say that? You are Jehovah's Witnesses, then. She got the name right. The number of people who just can't manage the name is astounding. We are the Jehovah's, or simply Jehovah, or worse, the jokes. Are you a Jehovah's Witness, they ask? No kidding. Well, where's the accident? I knew some Witnesses a few years back. I worked with one. Nice people. I admire the work you do. Thank you, I say. I've studied a number of faiths. As a layperson, I mean. The spiritual life is important. I was right. She is a hippie. Well, we want everyone to hear the good news. Leslie chimes in, saving me. I'm blowing this call. We are always happy to find people of faith in these times. You know that the perilous conditions that we live in have been predicted in Scripture. Leslie pulls out her Bible. Some householders recoil like you've just pulled a gun. Okay, okay, put the Bible down. You don't want to do anything crazy. Well, I'm not much for organized religion, but I do try to keep an open mind. I'm glad that God is available to everyone. Are you sure you don't want a drink? It is brutal out here. No, I say too vehemently. But I'm Stephanie. Nice to meet you. Well, take this then. The woman pulls out a couple of bills from her jeans pocket. I'm Phyllis. I'd like to give you a donation for your work. Thank you. Leslie hands the woman some new magazines, taking only one of the dollars from her open hand. So, that was Phyllis. New magazines, Leslie writes in her record. I'm giving you credit for placing those. We'll come back to see her next week. Leslie pretends to be having trouble thinking about what to write in the record, but I know she's trying to figure out the best way to make this last call a teaching moment. Listen, Steph, don't worry if you forget your sermon. I've done it. We all have. As hot as it is, I can hardly remember my name. Anyways, you got a magazine placement. That's the important thing. I don't see much working out with Phyllis. Leslie screws her face into a conclusion. She's fine. Nice, really. But we're not going anywhere with her. Leslie pauses, trying to find the most encouraging angle. Of course, Jehovah is the judge, but she seemed to be too comfortable. I don't think we're going anywhere. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, right? But I am hardly listening. All I can think about is, I am in love with Phyllis. It is too easy to point to her middle-class manners the slick magazines with no celebrities on the covers, the coasters on the willow furniture, her kindness at the end of a long, hot day. I wanted her. Wouldn't it be great to walk up to someone's house and just say, I am here and want to be your friend? Kids do it all the time. No misunderstandings, none of that rooting around for larger meaning. Like with God. He has the key, right? He holds the keys to happiness and to life. Why can't we just show up at the door, just ask for them? Why can't I open a door, any door, and he be on the other side with a whole host of Phyllises saying, Here you go, enjoy. Even before this, before being a Jehovah's Witness... I'd been a member of my grandmother's African Methodist Episcopal Church, another world of dogged believers. Mama Jean preached on lonely dirt roads, black neighborhoods, none of this white man's religion, black places like Warrior Creek, Freedmen, and Doolatown. Do you need to make water? She'd warn before the services, because there would be no possibility once we commenced. Remember... No hair fooling, no gum, no candy, no giggling, no turning to look at the opening door, no smiling, no eye darting, no talking, no tapping of feet or fingers, clapping at up-tempo songs only, but not too vigorously, like I've had no home training, no syncopation with the claps, leave that to the elders, no staring at anyone, even the spirit-filled or pitiable. And these are the easy rules, the ones for the very young. No problem. No problem, I say with nods. And if you are very good, do it all to your utmost like Noah, just so you too will be rewarded with belief. Oh, Phyllis, to believe anyway. What are you made of? I start my house-to-house record. Dear Philip Larkin, I have felt your breath on my heart today. Phyllis said she likes to keep an open mind, and I fear this is the beginning. I will not go down the long slide with you, but stay safe, a dirt roader myself. It is safe here. The cops of pines, poplars, and weeds, years too far gone for bush hogging, choke out everything but light. Don't you see that? If you can't, I can't love you. Doesn't scripture say to stay away from bad associates? Friends who will see you dead all in the name of opening your mind? What about knowing every single thing for sure? What about that? A good day, really good day, Leslie says. How did you like your first visit to the territory? Different, huh? I nod. You seem preoccupied. Are you thinking about a certain young man? Leslie starts the engine, grins at my shock that she takes for proof of her suspicion. My body shudders at the thought. I would see Bobby at the Kingdom Hall when Leslie drops me off. I'll see him... The next morning at the Sunday service and the day after that on the bus. But the thought of his thick fingers, any place, on my body. His short sleeved dress shirts with the sweaty armpit stains that never seemed to come completely out. The idea of spending one day of life forever with him made me angry. Though I loved him in God's way, I wanted to stomp a mud hole in him. I would say none of it to Leslie. I didn't even want to. Maybe, I say. I knew it. Leslie wags her finger at me. Don't wait, she said. Don't wait. I will be honest. Um, the first time I read through this story, I, I I I got to the end and I was disappointed. I was so um, I was so moved by the writing, um, but the ending it made me mad. And and then I read it again, and and I wasn't so mad. And then I read it again, and I I liked it. And the the more I read this story, the more I love it. And I think my problem with it originally was because I like, I, I, I like heroes and heroines. And, and, and I, I suppose I'm a romantic in that I like my heroes without flaws. W- one of my favorite movies is um, My Favorite Year, a 1980s movie with – Peter O'Toole and Mark Lynn Baker. O'Toole plays this uh, aging, swashbuckling movie star, and Mark Lynn Baker is, is working in uh, in the writer's room on, like, the show of shows, or their version of the show of shows with C- Caesar. Um, and it, it not only does this movie capture a, a really particular time in show business, but um, the story is told through the eyes of, of this young man and he says at one point to to the hero, to to the Peter O'Toole character, he says, I I can't use my hero's life size. I, I need my heroes as big as I can get them, right? And so when I first read this story, I I I, I was disappointed in in the choice that the heroine makes to just surrender to what I judged to be an inferior path in life, the path of least resistance, the, pa- the path that led to Bobby Ratliff. Um, and I guess the, the real truth is, is that, you know, in reality, our heroes aren't—are conflicted. Our heroes um, oftentimes are life-sized. Uh, and and that's as big as as they can get, and perhaps that's as big as they should get. Um, she is searching for something, and she's she's trying to discern meaning in in her life. And 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 you know, having studied for the priesthood, I certainly understand the the spiritual journey as a, a tool for self exploration. Um, and and. Because I love being in the minds of characters when I read a story, and this one just executes on that so brilliantly. We are really given the privilege of the inner world, the inner monologue of this of this young woman. Um, and through the story, I, I I love her her point of view. I love her discernment. I love her ability to, to see things the the way I would see them. So that I think that really led to my disappointment at the end when she just made a choice so wholly different than the one I would have made, uh, given the same circumstance. I mean, I, I, I walked away from the seminary. I walked away from Catholicism. I walked away from organized religion because I felt that there was more for me to explore in the world and that I could do that without adhering to one specific belief system or another. Um, but I, I I I do love her voice. I do love her point of view. I, I, I really I, I love this character. Just just not the choice she made. And and I, I imagine a you know an addendum to this story where she ultimately um, rejects Bobby Ratliff um, and the and and her church and and really exercises that sharp eye, that keen wit, and, and explores the world on her own terms. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is Julia Smith, and our assistant producer is Audrey Ngo. Editing and sound design by the very talented Adam Dybert, and as always, thank you to the effervescent Matt Corley. We are also very grateful to our friends at Little Everywhere for their help in the producing of this episode. And my great thanks today to Stephanie Powell Watts and her publisher Echo for allowing me to read her story. You can find unassigned territory in Stephanie's collection, We Are Taking Only What We Need, which goes on sale February 6th, 2018. And please, if you love the show and want to help other people find us, give us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. And while you're leaving a review, suggest a story for the show. I have absolutely loved hearing your thoughts about our podcast. We'll be back next week with another hand-picked story or if you can't wait that long, listen to the next episode right now on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com/lavar or if you're listening in Stitcher just tap the menu button in your app and select premium for 1 month free. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Jenny Radalette. I'm Lavar Burton, and you can find me on Twitter at Lavar Burton and LaVar.burton on Instagram. I'll see you next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. Ditcher. Hey, y'all. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And we're the hosts of a brand new show called Unladylike, where we find out what happens when women break the rules. We'll be bringing you real-world women's stories, along with our own nerdy deep dives, in this weekly investigation of womanhood. How privileged would you say your abortion was? Well, okay, I might say, I might say like an Ivanka Trump. Did he just say that? Did he just put us in the same sentence? If you ask me, like, what my thighs can do, do you think I'm going to be like, they can have sex with you? Find the first episode of Unladylike now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To access ad-free and bonus episodes, visit unladylike.co slash podcast. Because we got some unladylike things to say. The Living Room is where you make life's most beautiful memories.